welcome to Match Up, a podcast for love. My name is Claire, and together with my husband Gavin, we'll be exploring the world of organ donation. We have decided to create this podcast as a free space for people to chat about their individual experiences with organ donation and transplant. Gavin is 16 years post-heart transplant and has experienced many highs and some lows and has often felt alone in his journey. We hope to shed light on this amazing subject for the rest of society, some of whom have never been touched by organ donation. It is also our hope that this podcast will give those feeling alone during and after transplant a feeling of community and being connected to others around the world experiencing similar circumstances. Also, perhaps even encourage more individuals to discuss organ donation with their family, friends and loved ones. Welcome to Match Up, a podcast for life. My name's Gavin. And I'm Claire. Today we're on the phone with a new guest. Um, would you care to introduce yourself? My name's Louise and I'm a heart transplant recipient and I've just come past my 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations on 10 years. Thank you. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Can we kick things off with... What was your official diagnosis? Uh, My official diagnosis was hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Okay, so can you explain what that is? It's uh, a slight thickening in the muscle of the heart. And it was on the left side of the septum. The septum is the area that divides the left and the right um, part. And... uh, At one point, uh, my heart didn't receive a signal to beat, and so it caused a sudden cardiac arrest when I was 30 years old, pregnant with my second child. So I had a defibrillator uh, put in, and a defibrillator is attached to your heart. It's um, inside your body, and what happens is if your heart does cut out and doesn't receive a signal to beat, the defibrillator within 20 seconds will give an automatic shock to the heart. So is that that the same as a pacemaker or is it slightly different? It's very different. A pacemaker keeps your heartbeat paced so it stops it from going too fast or too slow. A defibrillator gives you an electric shock if your heart goes into ventricular fibrillation. Okay. Okay, so so then after you received the defib, what happened from there? I had the defib for 19 years, but Ooh, I, wow. probably in the last three to four years of having the defib, my heart started to really begin to struggle. And uh, it was suggested that I go and visit the heart transplant unit at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney and so I did that and after approximately 18 months of being on different drugs to see if things make it improve um, there was no improvement and it started going downhill again so I was then placed on the transplant list. How long were you on the transplant list for before receiving the heart? 
I was only on the transplant list for 11 weeks. Oh, wow. Wow, that's and fast. It was very, it was very fast, yeah. And uh, when I got the call, I got the call at about 10 to 11 in the evening. And whenever I get a call, you know, any time after 9 o'clock, I, I always assume it's going to be the family. But it wasn't. The nurse telling me that uh, I'm ready to get to Sydney as quickly as possible because I didn't live in Sydney at the time. Oh, okay. And once you're placed on the list, you have to have, you have to be ready to go at any time. So you need to have, you know, your bag packed, ready to go at any time. And so um, I did have that, and I I got the final call at about 2:30 a.m. And so I got up and had a shower and got myself organised and I had to be on the plane at 6.30am. Did you have to pay for your own flight or was that paid for by other means? No, it was all paid for, it was all organised. All I had to do was turn up at the airport and get on the plane. It was all done by the hospital. Okay, so how did how did life, life change prior to the transplant to then after having received the heart? How did, how did life change for you? Oh, I could do so many more things. I have, um, from my childhood through to my adulthood, I was um, very much involved in sport. And, and in fact, I was a phys ed teacher at one point. And um, I couldn't do those things anymore pre-transplant. I found it very difficult to uh, walk up the stairs in my house. And once I had the transplant, I could go back to playing sport. I could do anything I wanted. It made it's made a huge difference, huge difference. I can, you know, I can walk up and down hills. I can play any games that I want to play because I was a I was a great netballer oh, wow. and um, I was a swimming champion when I was a, a child. And so I can do all those things now, which I couldn't do before when the heart was really failing. Yeah. So. Just in relation to post-transplant, a lot of people often ask Gav in particular that they're like, do you have any different cravings, anything that sort of altered before transplant to post? Do you have anything funny that sort of kicked in post-transplant? No, I don't. Um, people often say that, you know, they have different tastes and, and uh, yeah, cravings, things like that. But I think that's due to the medications that you take more than anything else. Because, um, you know, we receive an organ. The organ has no male or female gender. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it's not black or white. It's just an organ. And it, it, it is your heart or your lungs or whatever the case may be. and. When it's transplanted, not all the nerves are connected back up because they, well, at the time when I had my heart transplant, the microsurgery for the nerves in transplant wasn't yet perfected. So you can't can't attribute um, any changes to taking on the personality of, the person that it came from. I mean, some people think that that happens, but there's no scientific reasons or backing. There's no scientific evidence that 
that's actually, you know, a, a real thing. But, you know, plenty of people say that they, they feel different. Um, they might enjoy other types of food. But what you have to remember is the drugs that you take for transplant patients, and I call them the acceptance drugs. A lot of people <laughs> call them rejection drugs, but I call them acceptance drugs. It's a good way to think about it. Um, yeah, they're very powerful. They're extremely powerful drugs. They, um, they suppress they suppress your um, immune system, and so. But also um, at the same time. Sorry, at, at the same time, it has to be a balance between suppressing it enough that you don't reject, but also not to suppress that the common cold's going to kill you. That's right. And that's why it's so important to get the dosages right. And that's what your heart transplant team is there for, to make sure that everything goes fine. And basically, um, the, my team said to me, we own you now. <laughs> You're ours. We own you now, and we look after you for the rest of your life. So that was actually a very good feeling of security, um, because I knew I was going to be, you know, really looked after. And, and I'm, I'm ten years post, but I still do six monthly checkups. Yes. How many tablets were you on at the beginning, as opposed to how many tablets you're on now? Oh, when I first started, I was up around 35, 36 tablets every day. Yes. Um, and now now I'm up to uh, 10 or 11. So that's a good reduction. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, great reduction. And I haven't had any problems on my dosages. Uh, they haven't been changed all that much. It's been a pretty good ride so far. Okay, so those of us who have an organ transplant and actually know what we're talking yes. about. Are you on tacro, yes. tacrolimus or, my, um, or cyclosporin? Cyclosporin. Okay. Yeah, I'm on cyclosporin. A lot, of, a lot of transplant patients were changed to tacrolimus um, after me and I don't meet a lot of transplant patients that are on cyclosporin, but cyclosporin works very well for me um, yeah. in combination with mycophenolate. And also, I take Evrolimus. Okay. And a lot of people take steroids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Unfortunately, I was on the steroids, but um, they didn't suit me at all. So I made sure I got off them. And the replacement was Evrolimus, which is a uh, relatively new drug. Okay. It's the same steroid that they use for cancer patients. Okay. Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same steroid. Um, so it can affect your mood. It can make make you very uh, moody. Um, it can make you put on a lot of weight because of the food cravings. And um, I didn't have the weight problem as such, but I certainly had the mood problem. And uh, one of the uh, Facebook pages I belong to, Heart, Heart Lung Transplants Australia. Somebody put up on there one time, um, is anyone else on this divorce drug? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of people wrote in, and, and I was one of them who wrote in and said, yes, I was, but I spoke with my team, my transplant team about it, and said to them, I don't want to take this anymore. And so they changed me, and it was the best thing ever. Okay. So, if you could go back in time to before the transplant, what advice would you give yes. your younger self 
and your family. Yeah, or even or even someone else that's in a similar situation, you know, staring down the barrel of you know, of organ donation. Um, that's a that's a great question, and I did pre-trans when, when I found out I was going to have a transplant. I did gather my family together. I'm one of seven children and both parents and so I gathered my family together and, and um, told them that that's what I was facing. Um, at first when you hear the words that you're going to have a transplant it's a little bit of a shock to the system um, and, but I trusted my team 100% not only do they check you physically but they also check you mentally to see if you are you know, mentally prepared to accept the organ because, as you know, we don't have enough organs in Australia yes. for everyone who's waiting on the list. So um, it's really important if, as a recipient that you are prepared to uh, take the organ on and you are prepared to do the best that you can possibly do for that organ because it's a precious gift that you receive and you, you just need to be prepared to do what your team tells you to do because they are the experts. Um, you can have conversations with other people who've been transplanted but the people who make the right decisions for you and look after you um, is your transplant team and, and you'd be best to listen to them as much as you can. I personally have also discovered that sometimes when you put your input into it, it does help them make their decisions. Um, for example, yes. I occasionally have to play around with my tacrolimus, and I've found when I go from two milligrams down to one milligram, my body goes into shock. So I've had to negotiate a couple of times to go, instead of one, go one and a half. Have yes. you ever experienced that? I, I haven't uh, changed my medications up and down um, for a very long time. I think in the beginning uh, there was <clears throat> a few changes mm -hmm. that happened, but that was part of getting it correct. But it's up to you also, uh, as a recipient, to talk, to talk with your team, talk with your carer at home first, whoever that may be, it might be your husband, it might be your wife, it might be your parents. Um, let them know that you're not, you know, you're not feeling okay, and you think things should change. And yeah, I I never had any problem whatsoever uh, talking with my team, and that's what I was talking about before when I said, you know, you trust your team. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you have your own input, um, and my input about. Um, the drug that was making me, you know, very irritable and moody, I, I told them about it and I said, please just get me off it. And of course they did. So it is a two-way street. But as you are waiting for a transplant, you do need to put your trust in your team. Yes. Uh, because they will do, they will do everything to get you perfectly matched as close as possible. Um, I remember my my uh, lead professor in my team said to me they like to get a 98% um, match and 
they find if they aim for that, um, they get the best success out of the transplant. That's a good way to think to look at it. So, what's the yeah. best thing? What's the thing that you've had since or experienced since having the transplant? The best thing yep. is being around for my first grandchild. No, oh, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, it's um, that. That was the best thing. I, I got to see my my children grow up. Um, they were. 18 and 19 when I had the transplant and um, yeah they're now uh, 30 and and uh, one has given me the most gorgeous little granddaughter so that's the best thing about the transplant if I didn't have the transplant I would not be here yes yeah so is there anything that you'd like to say to someone who is totally against transplants? Um, I the first thing I'd have to ask is why would you be against transplants? Yeah. Um, and get a reason for that. I mean, some people have religious beliefs that stop them from being a recipient. Um, of course, it it's always up to you. I mean, you do have the option of of saying no to transplant, but people who uh, don't believe in them for whatever reason, um, obviously haven't experienced the joys of transplant and perhaps don't know anyone who's had a transplant. So I would suggest that they uh, um, get themselves a bit more educated about how good transplant is for people and how it changes their life and and also gives them a longer life. Yeah. Um, I mean, if... If you know that you're going at 49, if you know you're going to die unless you have a, a transplant, um, then I think it puts a different perspective on things. Um, so anyone who's against transplant, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to wonder why you would be against it in the first place. Yeah, and the situation here in Australia, the laws stand that your family does get to make that final decision how do you feel about you know more of a opt-out situation rather than an opt-in for organ donation i am a very strong advocate for an opt-out system i have talked about it uh, any time that i have been asked to tell my story mm-hmm. um, and i have spoken to many many people about it including the professors at hospitals I've also um, written to government representatives uh, about an opt-out system Australia isn't ready to do that yet but I think if if everything was explained uh, to people I think it I, I think people would be very happy to have an opt-out system in Australia i I believe it would give us more organs, uh, more people's lives would be saved. And the other thing is, um, in Australia now, the only way you can become an organ donor is to join the organ donor registry. Now, not many people know that. It's been taken off your licence in New South Wales, uh, which is a shame. I think it has here in Queensland as well, come to think of it. 
Yeah, and um, and so when you've got to have people to be proactive about organ donation, um, you know, people often say they don't have the time or they don't think of it uh, because it's not in their face all the time. And I suppose... If you haven't... Op- Sorry. Sorry. And I suppose that's an, an education thing, um, maybe something that... It is we should probably bring into our schools. Yeah, um, I think it would be it, it'd be um, it'd be a topic that could be discussed in the schools. But I think uh, by discussing that in schools, um, you you might need to have uh, recipients or donor families involved. Yes. Uh, in yep. in talking to uh, students. But having an opt-out system, if people were absolutely against it, then they would go and opt out. Yes. But it's yeah. better to have it's better to have, I believe, uh, organ donors sitting there for you, rather than going around and trying to get them. Yes, <laughs> completely so agree. If you've yeah. got organ donors sitting there, um, you know that you've got, you know plenty of organs to be donated and the, and lots of recipients who would be very grateful for that. If you don't want to be an organ donor, then opt out. Simple. Absolutely. Okay, so we're just going to wrap this up with a final question. Now, obviously, having a heart, you can't actually say anything to the organ donor. So is there anything that you'd like to say to the organ donor family um, if you had the chance? Yes. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the decision of um, the organ donor and, of course, their family. Uh, I, I never, ever thought that I'd be in this position. Um, I do understand that you've lost a loved one, but I am doing my best to uphold the, the graciousness of your particular loved one for giving me an opportunity at life and I, I will always respect that decision and I will always do the very best that I can possibly do and that's the way uh, I thank you for making such a decision in rather terrible times yes I think that's that's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Louise. Now, this is oh, been, you're welcome. This has been Match Up, a podcast for life. We've been speaking to Louise. We really do appreciate you coming on. Would love, would love to interview you again sometime later. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Thank you.